It is an honor to get to be back at this pulpit. Thank you. And if y'all didn't know it, this is the Marine Corps birthday, uh, which well, <laughs> no, we, I, I, November the 10th is the Marine Corps birthday, and November the 11th is, is Veterans Day. We, we packaged that together so that it would just be right, you know, and, and that's, the way it, uh, that's the way it worked. Um, Again, it, it's an honor to have been invited to, to spend some, ta- some time with you today. My message is a simple one. It's based on Paul's military illustration to Timothy. Paul was writing his final letter before he was uh, to have his life sacrificed. And... Uh, he was writing it to Timothy, and one of the things that he did was use uh, a couple of verses to talk about how, he, uh, how his ministry or his life should be like that of a soldier. And so I titled my message, Onward, Christian Soldier, if we would draw our uh, instruction from a similar uh, illustration. I start out by talking about my friend John Ripley. In about 2005, John Ripley was walking me through the Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland, when he stopped and pointed at a diorama of a Marine swinging from an I-beam under a bridge. You can see the picture of John swinging from that eye beam there in this, uh, in this slide. I immediately recognized the diorama as a recreation of, of my friend John himself during a four-hour period in 1972 for which he received the Navy Cross. The Navy Cross is next to the Medal of Honor. It is one of only two such displays at the Naval Academy, and I made some kind of a wise crack at John, I said, well, look at you, ain't you a mess? But getting a diorama made of you. But in reality, it added to my good feeling for one of the finest Marines I have ever known. He and I had worked together for years and traveled a good bit of the world together. We'd been in Guam and Australia and France, England, other places. We talked about the bridge incident a lot. You see, in 1972, John was a captain and an advisor to a Vietnamese army unit in the city of Dong Ha, just south of the demilitarized zone in Vietnam. The communist North Vietnamese were preparing to flood across the Dong Ha River, a wide river there at that city into the city, and they had tanks and other heavy weapons, and John received permission to blow up the bridge in front of them, and he decided to do it by himself. So swinging hand over hand, he pushed explosive charges into place while the enemy was shooting at him from the far shore. It took him four hours to get the explosives put in place in order to blow the bridge. At one point, an enemy tank round 
enemy tank round impacted one of the I-beams right above him. John told me that really cleared his sinuses. <laughs> you can look up online and read a story or buy a book about it. He blew the bridge and gave the many thousands of people at Dong Ha about 30 extra days to prepare for the enemy to arrive. Colonel John Ripley died in 2008. He had a lot of complications, probably from Agent Orange. He was a fine Christian gentleman, John was. Wherever we were, he would find a place of worship, if at all possible. We prayed together, not infrequently. I miss him, and I look forward to seeing John again. He exemplified the Christian soldier that Paul talked about in his letter to Timothy. John Ripley, a good friend, and now he's at home with the Lord. What are some of the qualities of the person who makes a good soldier, either in service to his nation as we approach Veterans Day tomorrow, or in service to Jesus Christ? Our text give us, gives us some clues. Now, 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 4. Paul is writing to Timothy when, when we read this. 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 4. He says, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. So, for the next half hour or so, we'll examine some truths from this passage that apply to us all, whether you've ever served in the military or not. Because if you want to be a Christian soldier, if you don't want to be a Christian soldier, you're in the wrong room. If you want to be a Christian soldier, let's get with it. Let's talk about some things that you can do to be a part of God's army, a part of the Christian life that Christ has in mind for us. One thing all of us who have served in the military have in common is basic training. Most of I, last year, y'all remember I told you all those stories about boot camp if you were here, but I'll just talk about one aspect of it right now. The, if you remember, most of us did rifle drills. You hold the rifle out as long as you can until it starts to sag and the drill instructor starts yelling at you. And then you can hold it up or down or, or sometimes you, you do that. It's, it's like, you know, like a baton or something. You, but, but the longer you hold that rifle, the heavier it gets. And then sometimes if you do it wrong, the drill instructor will get upset at you and he will actually make your, put your hand out like that and then he'll lay the rifle on top of your hand. And you can't do anything but, but just hold it there. And if your hand slips, then your rifle's going to fall in the dirt and man, you are really in trouble then. So I had been through boot camp 
And when I, when I knew I was going to go to officer candidate school, I knew they would be doing that at OCS as well. So I started to prepare for officer candidate school by getting my muscles up so that that wouldn't be the way things would be at OCS. So I used potato sacks. I got a five-pound potato sack, and I, and I would lift it up, and I would hold it there for five minutes. But, you know, that's, that's something. And then I got a 10-pound potato sack, and I would hold it up there. You know, building the muscles. Then I got a 25-pound potato sack. Eventually, I worked my way up to a 100-pound potato sacks, one in each hand. And I could hold it up there for like 15 or 20 seconds. 100-pound potato sack. That, that's pretty good. And then I graduated up to actually being able to put a potato in the sack. Happy 244th Marine Corps birthday. <laughs> well, back to our text. First of all, to be a good soldier, we must understand that there will be times when we have to endure hardship. From the text, join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Paul had suffered a lot as a soldier in Christ's army. Paul had been beaten. He had been thrown in horrible prisons. He had been stoned with rocks. He had been shipwrecked. Paul had been through a lot. He could have stayed with the Pharisees and lived a life with lots of luxury, but he was turned into something else. He was turned into a soldier of the army of Christ with that Damascus Road experience, and he accepted it and became one of Christ's soldiers. And my, what a wonderful soldier he was. And he observed the harsh life of those who served in the Roman army. Every once in a while, he makes an illustration about military service, or he talks about uh, the Olympics, perhaps, or, or something like that. He talks about things that you do to sacrifice your body. But he probably watched the Roman army also. So likely he was mentally comparing the two when he wrote his analogy to Timothy. Hardship is accepted as part of a military person's lot. From boot camp to where you're stationed, life in the combat zone is particularly harsh. I'll bring it back to the Christian soldier in a minute, but as a as a soldier in the military, life can be very harsh, particularly if you end up in a war zone. In World War I, there were the muddy trenches, the rats that you read about, the poisonous gas. In World War II, there were horrific fight-to-the-death battles in all kinds of climates and places. In Korea, there was the bitter cold and the feeling of being forgotten. In Vietnam, we had the leeches. Y'all remember those? The leeches, the filth, the stench, insects, enemy all around, and the antagonism of many people at home. In Iraq and Afghanistan, 
They're still enduring the blazing heat, morale problems, the people at home arguing about whether they should even be there or not. That's the hardship. But you endure the hardship because that's part of being a soldier. As a Christian soldier today, we face other hardships. They're not the same ones necessarily, but we face other kinds. In our society, we see a pronounced watering down of our biblical guidelines. Actions and attitudes we would never have dreamed of condoning a few decades ago have become commonplace. And Christian soldiers who speak out against such practices are shunned or relegated to dinosaur status. Sometimes even it has professional or family consequences when we stand up for what the Bible says we should be doing because it's become not PC anymore. Does that mean we stop speaking against the murder of the unborn or other ungodly, unbiblical practices? Does that mean we should stop doing that because we don't want to go through the punishment? Look at Paul. No, he didn't stop. He kept on doing those things, even though it meant punishment, because he knew it was the right thing to do. As soldiers of the cross, we must realize that there are possibly hardships to be endured for speaking out Christ's truth, but we do it anyway. We're blessed through it all to have close air support. We have prayer. We can tap in to our Father. We can tap in to the Holy Spirit, close air support. When I was a radio operator in Vietnam as a young enlisted Marine, from time to time I would be attached to a TACP, Tactical Air Control Party. And our job was to talk to an aircraft that was circling around up above waiting for a mission. And if we were in a conflict with the enemy, we could talk to those guys and say, hey, they're over here, give them map coordinates, would you do something about that for us? And they were just waiting for us to tell them and they would do something about that for us because they, they cared about us and they cared about our mission. And so they would do that. In the same way, Christian soldier, when we've got hurts, when we have pains, when we have depressions, when we have ungodly, painful things going on in our lives. We can get our spiritual TACP intact and talk directly to the Holy Spirit and we can say, oh God, it hurts so much. And he's just waiting to hear from us. And we can let go and let God have his wonderful way. He loves us so. And he's anxious to bring comfort. What did Jesus say the Holy Spirit would do? He'd bring comfort. And that's what he's anxious to do. Romans 8, 35 to 37 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Nah. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. 
We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Our overhead protection, our close air support. The old hymn says, stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. So, stand up, endure hardship as Jesus calls you to do so. Endure hardship. Second, as a good soldier, we have a change in our lifestyle. The verse says, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs. Ross Creamer. Ross Creamer worked at the J.C. Penney store in Portales, New Mexico. And one day, Ross Creamer got his greeting letter. Those of you that are young don't know what I'm talking about, but the older folks do. It's a letter from Uncle Sam that says, greeting, you've just been drafted. And, and Ross got that letter, and he changed his whole lifestyle from being a clerk at the J.C. Penney store to being a soldier who landed on Normandy Beach on D-Day on June the 6th, 1944. He had to change his whole way of thinking, his whole lifestyle. He was in a company in the 29th Division of the Army, and uh, I think 160 or 180 were in a company at that time. Eleven months later, when the war was over, there were four of the original left in that company, and Ross was one of them. He became a really good soldier, but he did it by changing from being what he had been to focusing entirely on what his new mission was and what he had to be about. He changed his whole lifestyle. We used to, after I got back from Vietnam, he and I would sit down and talk about our various war experiences. And it was obvious to me that he had made some real changes in his whole life. To be a good soldier, our lifestyle must change. The same is true if we would be effective Christian soldiers. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Renew your mind. Let that Holy Spirit become an integral part of your daily thought pattern. Talk to him regularly. Tap into him on a regular basis. Pray without ceasing. Let him be a part of who you are all the time. Christian soldiers make a conscious decision to transform our lifestyle by renewing our, our mind. Remember, only with right motives does the godly lifestyle have eternal value. It's about the relationship with Christ. What I'm saying is you can be a nice person. You can do all the right things. You can have a godly lifestyle. But if your motives are not where God wants them to be, then that, it's not worth very much. If our motives are not right, if our relationship with Christ is not right, it doesn't make any sense. It's like wearing the uniform that announces to the world that you're a soldier, 
but you're not really changed inside. I remember a, a guy that I was in boot camp with, his name was Lopez, and Lopez had joined the Marine Corps just because he liked the uniform. <laughs> he liked our dress blue uniform. It is a wonderful uniform, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, well, same to you. As Christian soldiers, our uniform is our lifestyle. Our lifestyle is our uniform. There's a list in Ephesians 6, 14 to 18. It's Ephesians 6, 14 to 18. It's a familiar passage. It describes putting on the lifestyle armor. That becomes our uniform. The belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness. The shoes of the knowledge of the gospel. The shield of faith. The helmet of salvation, the sword of the Holy Spirit, all of these. Back to the hymn, put on the gospel armor, each piece put on with prayer, where duty calls or danger be never wanting there. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Hey, Christian soldier, I believe we'd look pretty good in that uniform, don't you? People may not see it by the clothes we wear, but they can see it by the lifestyle we live. That's our uniform. So the good soldier is ready to endure hardship, exhibits a change in lifestyle. And third, it says he wants to please the commander. Paul wrote he tries to please his commanding officer. That would be by accomplishing his mission. I have been, and some of y'all have, you know what I'm talking about, a commanding officer of troops. You don't want, your favorite troop is not the one that stands outside your door hoping he'll be noticed. And then everything you say, he says, oh, that's right, sir. Yes, sir, that's right. You know, that wears out pretty quickly. Your favorite troop is the one that as soon as he's assigned a task, gets it done. He gets it done. He accomplishes the mission that he's been assigned. Well, Christian, uh, Christian service member, you and I have been assigned a task. We have been assigned an important task. Every one of us in this room who knows Jesus Christ as our personal Savior has been assigned a task that we can't get away from. It's called the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Would you read it with me? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, that's the New International Version. It says, we have a task. We have a mission. We have a responsibility as soldiers of the cross to reach out and touch the people in our neighborhood, in our family, in this part of the world, and in that part of the world. Every way we can, whether it's to speak up, whether it's to walk, whether it's to give our money, whether it's to pray, whether it's to use every resource that we have available to us, you and I, as members of the army of Jesus Christ, have a task, 
have a responsibility to get out and perform that mission. And what an awesome and a wonderful mission it is. A good commander is most pleased when the soldiers do the tasks set before them. Not just read the verse and say, isn't that sweet? No, no, no. To be serious about our task. So to whom is our commander talking? To each and every individual soldier in his army. All those who have developed a personal relationship with him. Of course, there are those who claim to be Christians, who claim to be Christian soldiers, even wear the uniform, but never actually enter the fight. When I was in high school at Roswell High School, we put on South Pacific. I was a senior in high school, and I wore a Navy uniform. And I remember I was on my way to a performance one night, and I stopped off to get a cup of coffee at a little cafe. And I was wearing my Navy uniform, which we weren't supposed to do. <laughs> but I sat down, and, the, and I looked really good in that Navy uniform. <laughs> and uh, the guy behind the counter starts talking all this Navy stuff to me. I had no clue what he was talking about. If I'd been through boot camp and all that stuff, I would have understood. But I didn't. See, all I had was the uniform. If you and I act like Christians, but we've never been changed inside, all we've got is the uniform. We need to go through the change that the Holy Spirit brings about in us. and Become the new person. Not just wear the uniform, but become the real thing. Some like those dishonorable ones who shoot themselves in the foot to avoid conflict. They never did really become the real deal, right? I remember when after we'd had a firefight in Vietnam one time, we were up in the jungle and we couldn't get our casualties out. We had four killed and 13 wounded. For some reason those numbers stick in your mind sometimes. And they couldn't get the casualties out and so uh, they had to blast out a lot of the jungle and it took about 24 hours to get enough of the jungle blasted out for the helicopters to come be able to hug, hover and let down a line to pull out the casualties. And so uh, our corpsman, our Navy corpsman, did a fabulous job of keeping them alive. So we didn't have anybody die during the night. Uh, but as the last guy was being hella lifted or, or roped up into the helicopter, there was a corporal that, that I knew that... I could just hear his wheels turning. This was my last chance to get out of this mess that I'm in. He was scared. All of us were scared. But all of a sudden, he got sick. And he got medevaced. And he got pulled up. I never, forgive me, I never believed the guy was really sick. I think he was just scared. And sometimes that happens. But I think he just... He just decided he just couldn't, didn't want to do it any longer. I'll leave it to others to judge, but at the moment, at that time, I judged him kind of harshly because it was, it was like you're wearing the uniform, do the job, do the job. Are they really soldiers at all is what I was thinking at the time. Please, if you're going to claim the title of Christian soldier, get involved in the mission. If you're going to wear the uniform, work at pleasing the commander, Jesus Christ our Lord. 
or admit you never really enlisted in Christ's army and get the matter corrected now. Elmer Towns conducted a 12-year survey of how people come to Christ. He said this, 2% of people come to Christ through non-personal contact like TV or literature, 2%. 6% come to Christ through a pastor's influence. 6% come to Christ through crusades or revival meetings or, or big meetings. 86% come to Christ through personal contact. Somebody cared enough to tell them about Jesus Christ. If you're going to be a soldier in Christ's army, tell people about Christ. That's where the rubber meets the road. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. How does one enlist in the army of Christian soldiers? Well, you accept Christ into your life. You recognize that you've sinned, that all sin must be paid for, and Christ died to pay for your sins so that all you have to do is accept his death as payment for your sin, invite him to come into your life to be your Lord and master, ask him to be your, your uh, master forever, and make him the Lord of your life. Accept his payment, and he will come in, and he'll never leave you. Then look forward to the day of victory, that glorious day when we say, as Paul did in the last letter he wrote before his death, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing, I've fought the good fight. So stand up. Stand up for Jesus. The strife will not be long. This day, the noise of battle. The next, the victor's song. Don't put off this most important decision of life. It has eternal consequences. The question is, what will you do with Jesus, our commander? What will you do with him? He stood for you. Will you stand up for him? It's an unusual battle where surrender means victory. Do you surrender everything you have to Jesus Christ today? Surrender means victory. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Have you surrendered all to Jesus Christ? Jesus doesn't want just something. He wants everything. To be a member of his army, you've got to surrender all. Give it all, give it all, give it all to Jesus. Everything you have, everything you are, give it all to Jesus. Make him the Lord of your life. Have you never prayed to receive Christ? If you've never prayed to receive Christ, you can do that right now. You can talk to him and ask him to come into your life and to be your Lord and master. Just pray a prayer that says something like this. Jesus, I know I've sinned and I know my sin must be paid for by death. Right now I accept your death as payment for my sin and I ask you to come into my life and to be my Lord and my master. Be my savior right now. Just talk to him. Ask him to be your Lord and master.
Christian, have you pushed Christ off the throne of your heart? Yes, he's your savior, but you don't let him be your Lord, which he wants to be. Do you need to talk to him and say, dear Jesus, I need to surrender everything I have to you. And I need to get active in your army and to be the, the person that you can use in every circumstance and in every situation. Please, Jesus, be where you need to be and be what you need to be in my life. I surrender all. Dear Jesus, I pray right now that everybody in this room will do business with you during this next couple of minutes. As we sing this hymn, I surrender all. May we all look forward to you. And may we all look at what we can do to have you in your rightful place in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Now would you please stand. And if you have a decision you need to make for Christ, we'll have counselors down here at the front. You just move out to the aisle and you come down and talk to one of the counselors about the next step you need to take in your relationship with Jesus Christ. He's ready and anxious for you to follow him right now as we sing. for your kind attention today and brother John Rupley just asked me to remind the veterans to be sure and stop at the counter on your way out thank you brother David let's express our appreciation for brother Joe this morning thank you pastor Joe God bless you Hoffman Town and happy veterans day we'll see you next Sunday <laughs>